Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. All right, YouTube friends, I'm so excited to bring Laura Vanderkam onto the podcast. She is really focused on helping people spend more time on what matters and less time on what really doesn't. She's a notable writer, an author, and a speaker on the topics of work-life balance, which we all need in the wake of the pandemic, career development, parenting, time management, productivity, you name it. Her work has appeared in publications including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, the list goes on. She's also been on numerous television programs, including the Today Show, CBS This Morning, and she's also spoken to really large audiences about this. Her TED Talk, which is called How to Gain Control of Your Free Time, has more than 12 million views, and her newest book is called Tranquility by Tuesday, Nine Ways to Calm the Chaos and Make More Time or make time for what matters. And it's coming from Penguin Random House, releasing on October 11th, 2022. Um, So I'm really excited to talk to her about this. The fall season is here. And while I watch the New York City leaves turn from green to brown, I cannot help but get really excited about the fall flavors. And like many of you, pumpkin spice just so happens to be one fall flavor I can't get enough of. So when our friends over at Soul CBD let me know they were releasing a new CBD tincture flavor of pumpkin spice, I had to get my hands on this bottle and I want to share it with you. This tincture is the perfect starting point for your CBD journey. The reason that I love Soul CBD's projects so much is that they're 99% hemp derived. So there's no THC, no fillers, just pure plant-powered relief. So heading into the holidays with stressful travel, end of the year work rushes, having some extra support to calm your nervous system and reduce inflammation is so key. Just a few pumpkin spice CBD drops will do the trick. It's gluten-free, sugar-free, organic, everything free, feels like. (laughs) And this tincture is convenient and portable. You can just throw it in your purse or your bag so relief is just a drop away anytime, anywhere. Spice up your morning coffee with this pumpkin spice tincture or simply place a few drops under your tongue during a break. It's easy, it's powerful, it's delicious. Soul CBD has an epic discount to share with the U-Turn community of 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening, I literally just completely messed up scheduling with Laura. So this is our second try at this. I got on the mic today. I'm choking on a piece of chocolate. So Laura, I hope to, you know, over deliver based on what I've been so far. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. Chocolate's always worth it. You know, whatever happens after the chocolate, it was always worth it. So um, it sounds, sounds like it was good. Yeah. A little almond stuck in my throat, just dancing around. But anyway, I'm so excited for you about your book. 
And I know that, you know, according to Oracle, I was reading the research, the average American is working another hour per day since the pandemic, especially when they were quarantined. And it's like another part-time job when you add up, you know, five hours a week of extra work. So I know that we're all Zoom fatigued and burnt out. Um, what are some of the most important hacks that you share in your book? Can you walk us through that um, and just give us like a little taste so that those of us who want to read it can go deeper, but we can get a good sense of what are some of your ideas around how to create that balance? Because it feels so nebulous. It's like people look at their calendar and they're like, how do I balance this all? Yeah. So, I mean, Tranquility by Tuesday is about nine rules, uh, nine time management rules that I think will help people calm the chaos, make time for what matters. And I realized over the years, you know, a lot of people have asked me for various time management advice. Yeah. On that question, how do I balance everything? And I found I was often giving the same advice over and over again. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I started to hone this down into a list of my absolute favorite bits of advice found up, wound up with uh, nine rules. And then for this book, I decided to put them to the test. So I recruited 150 busy people to learn these rules over the course of nine weeks. So each week they would learn a rule, answer questions about how they thought they'd use it in their lives. And then a week later, answer questions on how it went. I could measure them on various dimensions at different points in the study. And I'm happy to report that people who followed these nine rules uh, didn't feel fact, feel better about their time. Their time satisfaction scores rose to a high degree of statistical significance. So that was pretty exciting. I mean, it's it's all practical stuff, right? I mean, just as one example, the first rule is to give yourself a bedtime. And that doesn't sound like rocket science. It's like something, you know, your mom, your grandma would be telling you. But it's amazing how many people don't sleep in an orderly fashion in their lives. They're sleeping too short one night, crashing the next night to make it up. Um, so much better to get the same amount of sleep every single day. And when you challenge people to actually try doing this for a week, they turn out to have a lot more energy. They're more productive. They're able to handle their responsibilities. So a lot of the rules are just things along those lines. You know, Create a weekly planning time, move every day by 3 p.m., um, plan some little adventures into your life, uh, things along those lines. Okay. So I want to go through these. So number one, you said is give yourself a bedtime. What is the, you know, I, I love when simple, cause you know what, it's easy to be complicated in this world. It's actually so hard to be simple. And so I am not disappointed to hear that some of your rules are incredibly simple because just because something simple doesn't always mean it's easy for someone to do. It can take a lot of reworking your life. So what was the rationale behind choosing the bedtime outside of maybe the obvious? Is there some research there or something that you could tell us about what really is happening for us when we have a consistent bedtime? Yeah. So I've studied how much time people sleep and, and the ways people sleep. It's been an interest of mine for years because when you do a good rigorous time diary study where you have people actually keep track of how they spend their time and don't have them, don't just ask them like, how much do you sleep on a typical day? Like that's a useless question. People give you answers that have nothing to do with their actual life. Um, but you have people actually keep track. Most people are sleeping enough from a quantitative perspective. Um, there's pretty good data on this. Even people with very full lives, people who have full-time jobs, people who have children under the age of six, all getting enough sleep from a quantitative perspective. And yet you talk to people and everyone feels exhausted. So it's like, well, how could, how can these things be simultaneously true? And it turns out that many people, um, are suffering from basically disorderly sleep mm -hmm. that 
you know, you can see this in, in anyone's life. Like Sunday night, you're not necessarily tired. You're a little anxious for the upcoming week. You slept in that morning. So you're not tired at the time you should be going to bed, but you still have to be up bright and early Monday morning. So you start the week with a sleep debt. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tuesday night, you get a little bit more sleep debt because you're doing stuff Monday night and you still have to get up early on Tuesday morning. But then your body starts making you try to ca- catch up, right? You crash on the couch while watching TV. People fall asleep while putting their children to bed. They sleep through alarms. They hit snooze and all these other ways that your body forces you to keep it up. I did a time diary study a few years ago where I found that, um, I mean, it was about a quarter of people slept 90 minutes different on Tuesday night versus Wednesday night. I mean, it's just all over the place. Hmm. Giving yourself a bedtime nudges you to get the same amount of sleep every night. Because most adults do have to wake up at certain times for their jobs or family responsibilities. So the only variable that can move is the time you go to sleep the night before. So when people do start getting the amount of sleep they need every night, they don't go into any given day with a debt. So their body isn't forcing them to substitute sleep for other activities, which they might not wish to do. It also just allows us to view our time in a more holistic fashion. I mean, most of us know that a day has a beginning. We're a little less clear on the notion that each day has an end, but Mm -hmm. it does. Mm -hmm. And if you know what your bedtime is, you know when the end is. And so you can make more rational choices about how to make all the pieces fit in the time you have. Got it. Okay. And I also know, you know, you said create a weekly planning time. I love this. And um, I'm probably one of the only people I know that have a handwritten calendar. Like I I haven't digitized yet. So I don't know if you're one of them also, but um, what does it look like to create a weekly planning time and how can somebody implement that? Yeah. So the tranquility by Tuesday rule is to plan on Fridays. Mm -hmm. And what I have people do is take 20 minutes on Friday afternoon to look at the upcoming week. And I tell them to think about what is most important for them to do in three categories, career, relationships, self. And so you think about, well, what would I like to accomplish? What steps can I take toward my big goals in those three categories over the next week? And then most importantly, when can I do those things, Mm -hmm. right? Like let's put in a time if we're writing it on our handwritten calendar or in Outlook or whatever it is, but you're putting in a time. And then you look at what else you need to do over the course of the next week. You know, you figure out any logistics. You make sure that you have stuff in your life that you are looking forward to. You solve any problems you need to solve. If you are doing this consistently, it usually only takes 20 to 30 minutes because you're already thinking ahead a little bit. You know stuff that's coming up. So you're not, you know, triaging massively if you keep doing this. But the magic of this is you do start making progress toward your long-term goals because you're focused not just on what's happening, but what's important. And every week you're asking yourself, what is important? When can I do it? And each week as you do this again, you can't help but look back and say, well, did I do those things? And so this weekly accountability uh, allows you to continue to make progress uh, and to make sure that everything stays on track. Mm, Okay. And, you know, I, I personally find that a lot of people might have like big projects or big things that they're working on and they struggle to plan effectively, like even if they try to create a weekly planning time. Like, for example, I write blogs for Forbes and, you know, I'm in contract with them every month, I think, for five blog posts. And like, I know that it takes me an hour and a half to actually write it, but maybe an hour or two to just pace back and forth before I start writing it. So it's like when I plan a Forbes blog post, it's the entire morning because I know 
I've calculated that time and it's really about knowing thyself. So do you have any thoughts around like, how can people be more effective with themselves on these things? Cause I know that a lot of people just don't know themselves or they're still in that process, which is what life is about. And it gets difficult to be realistic in the weekly planning. Yeah. Well, that's great that you know yourself and you know that the writing is an hour and a half. The pacing is also an hour or whatever it is. And that is something you can learn through a couple ways. One, I always suggest people try tracking their time just as an exercise in self-knowledge. Like, you know, we're not tracking time to find out that you waste time on whatever and, you know, that's bad. Like nobody cares. Nobody cares at all. This is just about figuring out where your time truly goes so you can make wise choices, like knowing to schedule three hours instead of just one if you need to write the post. Um, you, so you can do that. And that's always a great way to get the data. But I think also if you are just consistently doing a weekly planning time, you can take a moment to look back over the previous week and say, well, did I do the things I set out to do? Mm. And if you did, that's awesome. But if you didn't, that's worth digging into a little bit. Like what was the reason you didn't do it? Was it because it took longer than you thought it would? Was it that you didn't have the resources you thought you would? So you need to plan more steps into any given process. Um, was it that you didn't feel like doing it? I, these are all different reasons, right? But they're worth acknowledging what those are because then you can you know, solve for that based on what came up. But unless you know that and, and take that moment to reflect, you, you won't see it. Mm, okay. And you know, I also think, you know, when people are creating plans, sometimes one factor that's so different with everyone is their body and their energy. Like for example, I have lung disease and it doesn't really flare up that much, but I do think I'm immunocompromised. So I get sick more often or, you know, a cold is going to last me six weeks versus one. So I think like people's energy levels are all different. And that's one part of knowing yourself that sometimes people aren't honest with themselves about is like what they can really swing just with their body's natural energy levels. Obviously you can work on your diet, your sleep, all these things, but I don't know. I find that everybody might be different with that. And you also said, um, the third rule I heard you say was move before 3 PM. So I walk my wolf dog around New York city every day for an hour and a half, two hours, uh, total. And by the end of that, I don't really exercise otherwise, cause I'm so tired of walking, but I know that we all do need exercise. So I would love your feedback on do we have to move every day before 3 p.m.? Like, what does it look like? What does it mean? Hey, U-Turners. This episode is brought to you in part by Glad Skin, the skincare products restoring natural balance to your skin. So did the eczema or acne you perhaps had as a kid follow you into adulthood? Living with a visible skin condition like eczema can impact your sleep, confidence, and even your sense of self. And you deserve so much better than that. It is so real how we feel when other people look at us. And even though it's important to love ourselves, I think part of that comes down to really rethinking our skin treatment. And that's why I love Glad Skin. Glad Skin is a completely new category of skin treatment that is made for people of all ages with eczema prone, acne prone, or rosacea prone skin. So you might be wondering what actually causes the itchiness or the redness or the inflammation or the discomfort that you see on your skin. And it's actually a disruption of your bacterial environment called the skin microbiome. 
GladSkin specifically works to target the imbalance in your skin's microbiome. But unlike any other skin brands and prescription medications, GladSkin uses Balance, which is a revolutionary protein that restores the balance of the good and the bad bacteria that live on your skin so you can finally heal. It's been so effective that 91% of users, adults and children, who tried their top-selling eczema cream reported significant improvement after just seven days. So I especially love their products because GladSkin with Balance is steroid-free, works without any harsh ingredients, and is clinically proven to reduce eczema symptoms. It's so gentle, even babies use it. So if you've been frustrated with your treatment options, don't wait to try GladSkin. They're offering the U-Turn community 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com slash U-Turn. That's gladskin.com slash U-Turn. G-L-A-D-S-K-I-N dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the U-Turn code for 15% off plus free shipping. I use their makeup remover and their facial bar every single day and then some. I can't wait to hear how much you love them. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Yeah, well, I am a big fan of, in fact, moving every single day before 3 p.m. Uh, in whatever way that you can. Uh, and really, we're not talking hours. The fact that you walk your dog for an hour is like bonus points here. But uh, 10 minutes is, is honestly what you need to do. And it's not about looking good in a swimsuit, losing weight, anything like this. This is purely about energy because it turns out that physical activity is one of the biggest energy boosters we know about. Um, it is the equivalent of basically any sort of drug you could come up with to boost people's energy. Uh, physical activity will do it and do it with basically no side effects. I, I love to see different studies that find how effective exercise is like compared to various pharmaceuticals. I mean, it's, it's better than many sleep drugs. It's better than some antidepressants for mild depression. It's better than, um, you know, the pain tolerance goes up when people exercise. There's just all sorts of chronic complaints people have that can be improved by exercising. And when you do, you boost your energy levels. So, you know, that's why I have people do it. It's also about learning to think strategically about your time. Because for many people in our sedentary world, I mean, from the time you get up in the morning till 3 p.m., you know, whatever, you you are doing stuff. And you kind of just go from one thing to the other. So consciously building in a break to get physical activity requires you to step back and take a look at your schedule mm-hmm. and to be strategic about it and say, well, where can I force in some space? What can I move in around? What is going on during the day that I can you know, make this choice with my time? And, and many people aren't necessarily accustomed to thinking like that, but getting in that mindset where you are making strategic choices about time can have all sorts of other spillover effects. Mm-hmm. Okay. And those are the three rules I heard here. I know that you have probably six more. So what are some other rules that we can share with everyone who can go read your book for more information? Um, what would be the fourth one? Well, the fourth one is three times a week is a habit. Okay. And what this means, uh, a lot of times people get caught up in this idea that we need to do things every day. Um, you know, and I just mentioned exercising for 10 minutes a day is good, which is great, but people have other things they want to do in life. Like they want to do various creative projects or, you know, practice a musical instrument or eat family meals, um, whatever else it is. And we, we get hung up on this idea that if we're not doing it, you know, on any given day, we have somehow failed. But the truth is many things do not need to happen daily in order to count our lives. I maintain that anything you do three times a week 
is something you do regularly. And so it can be a part of our identity. And this rule does a couple of good things. I mean, one, it nudges people to think of their time in weeks rather mm-hmm. than days. And a week is truly how we live life. Like it is the repeating cycle of our lives uh, that, you know, if you look at yourself for a week, you see your life. If you just ask to see yourself on a day, well, is it Tuesday? Is it Saturday? I don't know. You're going to look very different on those days. But a week tends to be um, give you a more holistic perspective. It shows us how much time we have. Like finding, say, 20 minutes three times a week to do a hobby. It's not that much. That's just one hour out of the 168 hours we have each week. But then it can be part of your identity. And oftentimes when people look at these things like, you know, oh, I never play the piano anymore. I never you know, whatever it is. I never connect with my partner anymore. We never eat family meals. Often when people look at their time, they see that they are doing it some. They're just not doing it as much as they want. But not as much as I want is a very different story from none. And if you see that you're already doing something, let's say once or twice a week, well, getting to three times a week just requires a little nudge, like a little tweak, not a total lifestyle overhaul. Just like, oh, I'm already, you know, sitting down to read for 30 minutes, two times in the week. Could I just find one other 30 minute slot? And all of a sudden, Hey, you're the kind of person who reads regularly. Mm -hmm. So that's what this rule is about. Mm, Beautiful. And, you know, I, for me personally, like, uh, I'm aware that I still need to do some sort of form of fitness that isn't walking. Um, and it's encouraging to hear three times a week. Cause I'm like, I can maybe squeeze that out of me. Um, it feels doable. Okay. So what is the next rule we have? And for those of you who are taking notes, give yourself a bedtime, create a weekly planning time, move before 3 PM. Um, know that three times a week is a habit. Uh, what would you say is the fifth is to create a backup slot. Uh, and so this rule is all about learning to create a resilient schedule. I mean, I always maintain anyone can come up with a perfect schedule. The true time management masters among us have a resilient schedule that allows them to keep moving forward on their goals, even when life doesn't go as planned. Because I don't know about you, my life doesn't go as planned all the time. I mean, you mentioned flare-ups with Lyme disease. That's certainly something that can happen for people. Like you meant to do whatever in a week, um, and then a chronic health condition that you have kicks up. And what are you going to do? Like, right, that that requires time. It requires energy. You have to deal with it. You can sit there and lamenting it shouldn't have happened, but that's not really helpful because it did. Right. Or or other things happen. People's kids get sick. They, um, you know, you lose power, you know, or it can be good things, too. I mean, people could have a very tightly scheduled week and then a prospective client that you hadn't heard back from for six months just calls up and is like, hey, I want to meet you this week. And can you give me a proposal for this? And you're like, Uh, I mean, most people will say yes, but then something else has to go. Right. And so we need a schedule that can absorb all these things. The best way to do this is to create backup slots, Mm -hmm. open space Mm -hmm. in your life that can absorb the overflow. Um, So when things take longer than planned, when things come up that you didn't foresee, be they good, be they bad, you have a spot for them to go without having to continually borrow time from the future. And it's when when you start doing this, like when you start building more open space into your life, it's it's amazing. It's like suddenly having a really solid emergency fund if you have been living paycheck to paycheck for your entire life. Like your people spoke when people tried out this rule, they spoke of their stress levels just like going down. <laughs> you could you could see it that that they were like not chronically falling behind and trying to figure out where stuff went. There there was a spot where things could go. It's like, oh, that's what that feels like. That's Mm -hmm. what it feels like to end the week with 
doing everything that I set out to do. So, so that's about creating a resilient schedule. Mm, okay. So I know not everyone necessarily um, is fully in charge. Maybe they don't have agency over their schedule. They have a manager and they're back to back. And one thing I know about me is I remember when I started my business, I had way too many clients and now I work with way less at a time for my own integrity. But um, being back to back to back to back, it almost put me in what felt like a state of crisis. Like there was no time for me to pee. There was no time for me to eat. And um, and being in crisis, we're acting out of a different part of our brain that isn't as capable of focus and results. So I love the open space suggestion. Um, what would you suggest for people who need to have a conversation about this? And how do we get someone's manager to be receptive to this idea of like, this is open space that I have to fill versus something that you are going to jam pack force another Zoom meeting into? Yeah. And it's it's complicated, but I think it is worth having that conversation that it's not often the time doesn't stay open. What it's there for is to absorb the emergencies that happen, right? It's it's not for you to go to the spa. Like that that's a different thing. Like you want to do that, you build in a different time for that. Mm-hmm. What it's there for is for the various things that you didn't anticipate that are still going to come up. And just on a practical level, I mean some places that do schedule stuff, you know, very tightly have seen upsides by building in like a lunch break. And no, people are not going out to a restaurant to have a big fancy lunch. It's just that if your last appointment ends at noon and you don't start up the next one until even 1230, you've got 30 minutes to absorb the you know lateness and the fact that everything ran over anything that comes up. Um, you know, it's you can you can always have there's always no shows. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use that as open space. Um, but you can also just, you know, be a little bit more pointed about triaging your calendar too. So on Friday afternoon, as you are planning your upcoming week, like look what's on it mm-hmm. and go through and have a discussion on exactly what you are contributing to anything you are in. And, and even if you're not in charge, this is a question you can have like, you know, talking with your manager and be like, I want to be as prepared as possible for this meeting on this day. Can you let me know exactly what you were hoping I would bring to it? I will propose these things. What do you think? Right. And it's just how you can get people to really think it through ahead of time and and to pay more attention because, you know, we treat time sometimes as this infinite variable and it isn't like there are 168 hours in a week. There aren't any more. Yeah. Don't make good choices with them, which includes leaving open space for the stuff that comes up. That's when we fall behind. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, after we talk about creating open space, what else do you explore the last three rules in your book? Well, just to give you an example of one of them, um, the last rule, the ninth rule is to do effortless fun before effortless fun. And this is for people's leisure time. I found even the busiest people have some amount of leisure time, but the problem is it often comes in very short spurts of uncertain duration, right? Five minutes while you're waiting for a phone call to start or 10 minutes while you're waiting for the carpool to bring your kids home. Or else it happens at night when you're tired. Um, You've done your chores or done your work or you put your kids to bed and now you've got a couple hours before you need to be asleep, but it's not exactly the time where you're planning on running a marathon. So screen time fits all these constraints incredibly well. I mean, you can be on Twitter for two minutes. You can be on Twitter for two hours. Like it's, it's all the same. Um, or, you know, you can stream various programs at night and it doesn't demand anything of you. And that's why this effortless fun winds up consuming the bulk of our leisure time. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. There is nothing wrong with screen time. There's a lot of great shows out there. I'll put that out there right now. 
but often people want to spend at least some of their leisure time doing other things. You know, the things people say they would love to do if only they had the time, like mm-hmm. reading, creative hobbies, um, you know, various puzzles or talking with friends, things like that. So I challenge people with this rule to do those sorts of effortful fun for just a few minutes before you go into the effortless fun. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a small bit of time, you're picking up your phone, read eBooks for two, three minutes before you go over to Twitter. If it's at night, you finished your chores, you're about to turn on the TV, do a puzzle for 15 minutes and then you can watch Selling Sunset for the rest of the night, right? Like it's all good. Mm-hmm. But you have done the, you haven't just, you know, gone through the automatic, thoughtless, mindless choice. Mm-hmm. You have done something else. And one of two things winds up happening. First, sometimes people are having so much fun with their effortful fun that they just keep going. Like you're reading a really good book. You're going to keep reading it. You're making progress in your puzzle. You'll probably keep going. But even if you don't, you'll get to do both. And that's what you're aiming for, right? You're creating some more space in your life for the fun that people tend to shortchange. Okay. And, you know, I'm listening to these rules and I feel like there's so many people that feel like it's impossible um, you know, to even make this happen for themselves. Maybe there's something with their mindset. Um, I know one of your rules is also take one night for you. And, uh, there's, we live in a world where sometimes we're just back to back and we don't take alone time. Um, what did you learn when writing this book about alone time and the power of alone time and the value of alone time? Well, the, this, this one isn't really getting it. It's not so much about being alone. It's about doing something that is, you know, that you are passionate about. Okay. And and for some people that might be being alone, but for other people, it might actually be plugging into some sort of community organization, like playing in a softball league or singing in a choir or something like that. Um, I think for many people who are in what I call the busy years of building a career, raising a family, you wind up doing a lot of things that you have to do. There's not a whole lot of things in your life that you want to do. So this question is about asking, well, what would you do with one night a week that was just for your interests. And ideally, people do make a commitment to something. I mean, the problem of a lot of sort of, you know, the the self-care things we talk about, like I'm going to take a bubble bath as my night for me. But the problem with that is that, you know, your bathtub isn't going anywhere. You could take a bath whenever. So it's kind of hard to take that night if somebody else wants you to do something else or if life is busy. Whereas if you are singing in a choir, you have to show up. Right. Like you have to go to the rehearsal if that's the rehearsal. And so people wind up going. And then if that's something that they find energizing, they will you know, get the benefit of it because it actually happened. But yeah, in, in life, it is often hard to take time for our interests. But I'm saying just give it a whirl. I mean, with all these rules, the idea is just just try it out. I call them rules. But if people don't like the idea of rules, let's just call them suggestions. Right. <laughs> ideas you might wish to try implementing. And if they work great, if they don't, Nope, no harm, no foul. You know, it just was a week. Didn't work. That's great. But I found that for many people, it does, in fact, work. That's that's why I got the results I did from my study that, you know, people's time satisfaction levels did improve because these things are genuinely helpful. And if you are feeling overwhelmed with work and overwhelmed with, you know, caregiving responsibilities of some form or another, taking a night off from both of those things to like go play in a softball league changes your entire perspective on time. Yeah. I love this so much. What have I not asked you about time management or balance that you think would be really important to share with everyone? Well, I think one thing that people should keep in mind is often when we're feeling like things are out of whack, 
we always think like, well, what can I cut back on, right? Like we were thinking maybe I have too many commitments or maybe I'm working too many hours at work. And that might be the case. But oftentimes when we feel exhausted, it's it's not so much that we are truly tired and want to do less. It's that we need something different in our lives. It's that we're not doing enough things that we could genuinely look forward to. So I, you know, I challenge people, if you are feeling that way, like life is a bit of a slog, what can you put into your life? Like actually add into your life that you would genuinely look forward to. And if you have things that you're like, Ooh, I'm excited about going to, you know, take a little break on my lunch break to go see that sculpture garden in a park that's nearby that I've never been to, or I'm just going to, you know, I found out there's a new taco truck two blocks away that I'm going to take a little adventure, go see, or, you know, I'm going to go play in my softball league on Thursday night, or I'm going to read this really awesome book that I've chosen for my effortful fun on the weekend. When you actually have these things to look forward to, life feels entirely different. We wind up feeling a lot more energized for all our responsibilities. Yeah, I could totally see that. And I'm so excited to have had you on here because I I find that for me as an entrepreneur, I'm really good at creating my own work-life balance, but um, it's not something that I advise people on, you know, in the workplace, because I genuinely feel like these are conversations to be had versus desires to be had. Um, and, and so, um, you know, it's just so meaningful that you're talking about this during these times, who is the perfect person to read your book. And again, those of you who want to check it out, it's called tranquility by Tuesday out in October. Yeah. I mean, often when people think of self-help, they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's for people whose lives are a disaster and they have to get back on track. But actually, I find it's best for people whose lives are going pretty good, right? Yeah. Like the big pieces of your life are fine. You're in a good job. You, you know, are getting people where they need to go at about the time that they need to be there. Like you've you got some good functioning systems. It's just that you want life to feel a little bit more fun. Yeah. Like it's a little bit more of something you are enjoying as opposed to something you're kind of slogging through, um, that you're making more memories, you have more excitement in your life and you know, that you want to tune things up and feel more energized and, and all that. So if that describes you, you feel like, yeah, you know, good job, cool family, nice stuff in my life. I just want to enjoy it more. Like that's when I think this book is for you. Mm, Thank you again for coming on to the show. Where can everybody find you? Yeah, you can come visit my website, lauravandercam.com. And there you can learn about me, my books. I got a couple of podcasts you might want to listen to before breakfast, best of both worlds. Um, And yeah, find out more about Tranquility by Tuesday. Thank you again for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. 
I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.